You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We've got our eye on the enemy. This is episode number four brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kiss, and I'll be joined with a special guest here in a second. First off, I just want to explain this is supposed to be a weekly series, and you'll notice this is week six, and this is episode number four. Look, I didn't want to spend time talking about the Jets any more than I had to, so I skipped that one. It was profoundly sick for another one, so you're just going to have to get over the weird numbering, but I'm sure my guest will give you some crap about it. He is Arif Hassan of the Minnesota Athletic, or the Athletic Minnesota. Make sure I get that right. Arif, brother, how you doing? I'm good. Better knowing that you're basically 0 for 2 at the start of this podcast. What'd I do? What'd I do? Why am I 0 for 2? Wait, uh, the Minnesota Athletic. Oh. Episode number six. <laughs> Come on, man. I, th- I thought you had the golden voice. No one's going to no one's gonna hear that. Are you going to edit this part out too? Yeah. Monster, this is censorship. You're China. <laughs> you're making this really difficult for me to edit though. Well, this is why we. This is why you're an enemy. We're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles matchup. So I wanted to get, as always, an outside perspective, at least for important teams. Like I said last time, I admitted the Jets because who cares? And obviously, that was not a trap game, as some had feared. Uh, this is not even in the conversation for being a trap game. This is two, three, and two teams going head to head in Minnesota, where Minnesota is playing slightly better. Before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this show, Arif, do you want to let the listeners know where they can avoid finding you and your work? Yeah, if you want to avoid me, be sure not to follow me on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL, and be sure not to log onto The Athletic, where I contribute pieces about the Minnesota Vikings. So first question right out of the gate, explain Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense to me like I'm five years old. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my game plan going into the podcast anyway, right. so good to get that out of the way. Awesome. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins plays better than elite quarterbacks when he's against bad defenses, and he plays about as bad as the worst quarterbacks when he's against good defenses. Uh, he's, uh, he's, so this is where we kind of move out of the five-year-old stuff. So suggesting that yards per attempt, QBR, et cetera, better than the top five statistical quarterbacks last year when they played bottom five defenses. Mm. So pass rating of like 131, just a net yards per attempt over eight, mm. you know, absurd. And then you kind of, you, you go like to the Packers, to the Bears, who this year I think are ranked sixth and seventh in the, in adjusted net yards per attempt. And he collapsed. He, 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 like, four adjusted net yards per attempt or something like that. Uh, some real Josh Allen stuff. Yeah. So it's like Goff under pressure versus not under pressure. When he's not under pressure, he's like a top five quarterback. When he's under pressure, he's crapping his pants. Is that basically like a good equivalency there? Yeah, it's when Sean McVay is playing versus when <laughs> he left the control on the ground. Right, exactly. What about the construction of this offense? Because it seems like, and I don't know if they, they know this about Cousins, so they don't they do not do this, but like the downfield passing game is just, it's it's not there. A 10% frequency for, for deep balls for Cousins. Is it constructed in a way to prevent Cousins from having to read that stuff? Or like, 
Why is the offense the way that it is with Stephen Wisniewski? Did you say Stephen Wisniewski? Kevin Stefanski? Kevin Stefanski? Did I say the Eagles offensive lineman? Okay. Yes! <laughs> that's Lucky how much I... I that's, how, that's how... No, I'm going to keep that. That's how much I respect... <laughs> The offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, so so with the deep passing, the thing is, Cousins is not normally bad at it. You know, last year he was fine uh, with uh, with Washington. He was fine, uh, and they're on concepts that he's you know traditionally been pretty successful with stuff like posts. You know, especially on like play action. So why he's failing at it, I can't entirely say i think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the most high profile ones happen to occur against good defenses which is not to say there's good defense being played on that snap which is kind of the most frustrating thing sometimes there's not pressure on his face sometimes adam thielen or stefan diggs have a step or two on their defender it should be easy for somebody who normally hits posts but i think there's a problem where he feels hurried in his process or rushed in his process after he experiences the problems that a good defense can provide. So in other snaps, he's off on his timing uh, because of the pressure or because, you know, press coverage has forced receivers off the routes. The coverage looks confusing, so he doesn't really know where to look. Uh, And so on snaps where things are going well, like some of these deep balls, uh, he's just rushing and hurrying his process Mm. and it, it just collapses. So even if on that particular play, that defense wasn't playing well, the fact of the defense playing well has already kind of inhabited his mind. And Mark Schofield kind of made the analogy that there are bakers and there are chefs, and it seems like Cousins is a baker. Yeah, and it's perfect for Cousins. Mm. Yeah. You know, Cousins is, I think, a really phenomenal pre-snap quarterback when things are going right according to plan. You know, and, and he can go through progressions. A lot of people who you know, you'd categorize as Bakers, I think are first read quarterbacks, but I think, you know, some of them, and I think Cousins is one of them, you know, can go through the progressions just fine as well. You know, defense shows this, I do this, you know, my footwork is one, two, three, the ball's out. So he's absolutely one of those guys. And then as soon as you kind of throw, you know, a wrench into the works and he needs to improvise, he's like a bottom five Mm -hmm. improviser. Uh, And so he's, I think, the most extreme version of that analogy that might be in the NFL right now, even if you include someone like Jared Goff. Um, because Cousins is really good at the pre-snap stuff, yeah. whereas McVeigh is really good at the pre-snap stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a good point. And, you know, he is so tied into his footwork, working with his timing. If anything goes off kilter, then that can really mess with his game. So that's an important thing to watch if the Eagles can get him off his spot, which his spot is normally the same place every time. It, looking at the offense as a whole, as an analytical person as you are, you understand how crazy it is that the Vikings have been more efficient on the ground than through the air even against a stout Eagles run defense, it's strength for strength. Do you see them being a very run-oriented team against the Eagles, or do you see them, and this might not be possible with the change of coordinators since then, but do you see them being a more quick game, most of the passes are within five yards of the line of scrimmage, kind of like the way that the Vikings ate up the Eagles last year? I think that the extent of the quick game, which I'm not, they're not going to abandon slants or anything like that, right. but I, I think that most of the quick game this could be done through things like screens, mm. which uh, you know you pointed out on on my podcast, Norse Code. Download it. <laughs> uh, that uh, the Vikings have been pretty effective on screens this year. That the Eagles have had some issues defending screens, yep. uh, and that's something that they'll kind of continue to work with because Dalvin Cook is uh, a really phenomenal you know receiving back, especially when he's got kind of that blocking in front of him. Mm. Um, so they're going to probably continue working on those screens, but I don't think that they'll do kind of what. 
you know, Derek Carr and Chase Daniel have been doing, which is kind of replacing portions of the running game or, you know, because those running games are working, just replacing portions of their passing game with those uh, short passes to get four or five yards. I think they want to be an intermediate passing attack offense with some explosive plays. And and then the run game kind of gives them kind of those short gains. Now, obviously, because the Eagles at the top, you know, run defense in the NFL right now by whatever measure, I think uh, yards per carry yards, I think by expected points are like six or something. Yeah, DVOA, they're like fourth. So it's I mean, it's, it's all like top five in the metrics. Because of that, I, I think that in and, and kind of the weakness of the Vikings offensive line, I think they'll attempt to to run. I don't think they'll let, you know, these rankings scare them away from what they're doing. But I think as it likely collapses a little bit and I think Dalvin Cook is is one of the best running backs in the NFL but I think that that offensive line uh, presents a real concern as it collapses I think they'll kind of transition more into the passing game but I don't know if that means they'll go quick as much as they should uh, just because uh, the only time they've implemented kind of a a quick game is when they shouldn't like in two minutes so (laughs) that's fair I like that so what do they need to do to really unlock and get more production out of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and not necessarily matchup specific against the Eagles, where I think they have an advantage, but just like an overall, like the what what does the gestalt of the of the offense need to be to really unlock them? I, well, I think it needs to be a play action offense. Yeah. I think you know you take a look at their wins, you take a look at their losses, and and a lot of things go into the statistic. It's not reflective by itself of the thing, but uh, in their wins, they've had uh, play action rates of thirty five percent or higher, and in their losses, they've had play action rates of uh, around 20% or lower. Multiple factors that cause it. In their losses, they've they've gotten out from behind, uh, and so they didn't have a credible threat of a run, so they couldn't, you know, commit to play action. Otherwise, you know, those teams wouldn't bite anyway. Plus, the Packers specifically allowed the run to happen and just crashed down on the quarterback if it were play action. Th- that was part of the reason they couldn't dig themselves out of the hole is because they couldn't effectively threaten the run on play action. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, in, in these wins, you know, against the Giants, it was nearly 40% of snaps were uh, of dropbacks from play action. And I think that gives them a ton of space underneath. Obviously, we saw that with the Giants where they just kind of just vacated the middle and they like these deep crossers. Uh, we saw, I think, a beautiful one to Adam Thielen was maybe the best example of that play action, but we've seen a lot of it where they can move kind of defenders out of the way and, and Cousins knows how to take action when those zone looks are, are forcing defenders in and out. I think that's kind of what it looks like for an effective passing game where you've got these intermediate and deep shots kind of built off of zone action and they've got a couple of different types of looks that match the running game and then they work off of those looks. And I think that's kind of one of the best things about the way the offense operates is that, you know, they'll they'll show you a run, they'll show you a run action, then they'll work off of that run action and they'll work off of the action off the run action. They've got four or five plays out of the same look. Yeah, I mean, against the Giants, their opening script was two boots to the right, two runs to the left. Then later they hit a boot right off run action left with a screen back to the left. So yeah, definitely they they do work off those looks really well. And this next one is kind of like a multi-layered conversation here, but looking at who needs to show up for the Eagles to slow down this offense with the way that the scheme is for the Vikings, I would say it's a very important game for Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett working against the sniffing out the screens, working against the play action boot, and then also getting pressure because the Eagles defense 
typically struggles. One of the worst defenses in DVOA against goes and post. They also historically and very famously struggled against multi-break routes, which Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are very good against. But those things take time. How do you like the matchup on the outside there with Barnett and Graham going against the Vikings tackles? Well, I think, so I mentioned struggles in the offensive line. The tackles are playing a lot better than than the guards and center. I agree. Uh, and so, you know, Brian O'Neill, I think, is the best performing offensive lineman the Vikings have, uh, and he's playing right tackle. Uh, you know, his pass block win rate, I think, is 10th, uh, according to ESPN. Uh, and so that takes into account, it's not pressure rate, it's a little bit better than pressure rate. Uh, it takes into account just how quickly someone wins or loses the rep, mm. and, and it kind of projects better going forward. And so that's a really good sign. I see Riley Reef as kind of an average tackle, so... You know, if he's paired up against Barnett, which I think is the case, you know, that's going to be, you know, Barnett's going to have to, I think, raise his level of play from what he's done this year. And then Brandon Graham versus Ryan O'Neill, that's just going to be fascinating, I think, because they're both playing at a really high level. Yeah. That matchup, I think, is going to dictate a lot. And so just kind of whoever's having a good day, you know, might end up defining kind of what the rest of that offense or the rest of that defense looks like. My other theory is that the adjusted sack rate for the Eagles took took a spike against Luke Falk for, for obvious reasons, but also because I think Fletcher Cox is coming back into form. And I think with interior pressure, you're allowing those pressures to convert into sacks more easily. How do you feel about the interior? Do you think that's the real problem, especially since that interior pressure is what can disrupt Cousins and get him off of his spot and kind of throw a hitch in that mental process of his? Right. Yeah. Like I think, you know, edge pressure is more likely to produce a sack against Cousins, but I think that you're right that interior pressure is much more likely to kind of disrupt his timing and so forth. And that's going to have kind of a long-term effect on the game. So I think part of that, the Vikings will have to kind of figure out kind of what the alignment rules are for Fletcher Cox, Mm. you know, place, you know, a tight end somewhere on the line so they can move Cox around (laughs) so that he lines up on Josh Klein, who is the only kind of, if he's healthy, uh, who's been kind of the only guard that's been performing adequately. And even then, you know, I don't think he's a good matchup for Fletcher Cox or anything. But, you know, after a while, that's not going to work. I mean, you know, Eagles, they, they do wide nine. Sometimes they'll do double three tech on third down. Mm-hmm. And you can't manipulate that. That's just what it is. You also get the linebacker stepping into the A gap, whether he comes or not. He's going to hold that center for a half sec, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, and so that's going to keep that center there. They can't double team. And what's interesting is that Cousins is not particularly great against those double-A gap looks, despite the fact that that's basically what he sees in practice every day. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The Vikings love that. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, that's fascinating. Um, Yeah, you know, you've got, you know, Garrett Bradbury, who's coming off of one of his better games. Pat Offline is coming off of one of his better games, playing the Giants. I don't, I, I don't really have a ton of faith in them in terms of their ability to win those one-on-one matchups, especially if, you know, for whatever reason on that play, you know, Cox ends up lined up on Elfline or Bradbury. I just, I just think that that's, yeah. you know, kind of spelling disaster. That's definitely a problem. And when they kick Brandon Graham inside too, that's another interesting thing to watch because the Eagles will go, you know, three left of center. They'll go Cox on the nose and then they'll have Brandon Graham kicked in next to him, defensive end outside of him. And that guarantees pretty much that Brandon Graham is going to get a one-on-one against a guard, which is a winning situation and a winning formula, I think, in this game. One last question on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings. Can you explain to me why Kyle Uh-oh. Rudolph is getting 92% of the snaps. And Irv Smith Jr., who is already a better blocker, a much better and more dynamic route runner, is only getting about 50% of the snaps. Why is that not flipped? So Irv Smith is a better player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a better blocker. Mm-hmm. I would say that the reason he's not getting more snaps is a kind of a weird 
deference to the issue that Kyle Rudolph had this offseason. So dumb. Uh, um, the Vikings were going to trade him. You know, he doesn't want to be traded. He demands a new contract. He pretends to hold out, but he doesn't really hold out. He gets a new contract. Vikings guarantee him for like this year, next year. Terrible idea. Got to justify it, right? Yeah. But second, I think Irv Smith is doing really, really well at the stuff that he was asked to do at Alabama. Like you take a look at his biggest plays this year. All of it you can find on Alabama film. It's it's right there. It's the exact same stuff. So uh, asking him to do kind of newish stuff, you know, I don't know. You know, the Vikings kind of intimated earlier in this offseason that he was having a little bit of trouble picking some stuff up in the offense. Oh, okay. And so it might just be kind of the newer stuff in the offense. Uh, to, the newer to him is is more difficult to pick up. That said, there's stuff that, you know, they asked Kyle Rudolph to do that he did at Alabama that they should just like. I mean, there's a lot of tight end screens in the offense, mm. and Rudolph is maybe one of the last guys I want <laughs> yeah. on a tight end screen. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just picking up the offense. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. The playbook would, you know, be a little bit smaller for him, but I do agree that they can manufacture some touches for him, and he's, like I said, he's been a lot more dynamic. Okay, so that's going to do it for the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings. When we come back here on Eye on the Enemy, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings. That's coming up next right here on BGN. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back here on Eye on the Enemy, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Arif Hassan from the Athletic Minnesota. We talked about the offense for the Vikings already. Let's switch sides to the defense. Arif, first question. Have we been sleeping on just how good Everson Griffin and Danell Hunter have been this year? They've combined for eight sacks. They're both at the at the top of the list when it comes to pass rush production per PFF. These guys are playing lights out. And I've seen Everson Griffin before. He seems just, I don't know, re-energized, I guess, would be the word. He, he He's playing some incredible ball. Tell me about these defensive ends and how you think they match up with the Eagles tackles. Yeah, for sure. So 2017 Everson Griffin first eight weeks of the season, he was getting at least a sack a game. He was on a sack streak, obviously averaging more than that 1.3 sacks a game. He was in contention for defensive player of the year. Hurts his foot in the final play of the London game against mm. the Browns of all teams. <laughs> and his sack production drops off because he loses a lot of explosion. Uh, and then, you know, you enter 2018, he's recovering from a foot injury, doesn't start 2018 out well, has a mental health break, yeah. needs to uh, take time off, comes back, doesn't have... Uh, you know, the same, whatever it is, you know, it might be focus, it might just be explosion, it might be because time off, you didn't have time to work out, whatever it is, he doesn't have the ability to produce. So now we're entering an age 31 season. I didn't expect a ton, but it really does look like he is that first half of 2017 
person. Now, obviously, he's not getting a sack a game, but I think he's playing like it. Yeah. The fact that, you know, he's played against quarterbacks to get rid of the ball really quickly, people like, you know, Derek Carr and Chase Daniel and so on, make it, it suppresses his sack numbers, but he's still winning mm. as often as he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, I think Mike Zimmer put it pretty well earlier in the season, you know, he's always violent. His game starts with violence. And from there, as time goes on, he's added, you know, savvy pass rushing moves, precision, uh, and so on. So he's got a number of pass rushing moves, and he's just demolishing people with them. He's having this remarkable season. And the thing is, I think Daniil Hunter's playing even better. Yeah. Um, so it's it's wild. I mean, this pair of, of defensive ends is crushing tackles, and, and it's forcing these quick games. The Vikings, I think per PFF, have been facing the, the 27th lowest average depth of target. I think a lot of that has to do with the with the threat of edge pressure, mm. um, that they just want to get rid of the ball quickly, and so they don't have the ability to take shots downfield. How they line up against those tackles, I think it, it really depends on the tackles, right? Because I think you know Jason Peters, we've seen a lot better of him in the past than we've got you know some points this season. Lane Johnson, same thing. They're both elite right but I think if they play like they have for the balance of the season I think both Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter will get theirs they haven't been playing in my eyes to kind of that same degree but if they play kind of to their natural ability you know it's going to be interesting because you've got old against old with Jason Peters and Everson Griffin and then you've got these two incredible athletic phenoms (laughs) at the other side um, it's going to be fascinating, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, and especially because Griffin and Peters have played against each other a couple of times, and I know, uh, you know, they they didn't get to play against each other in the in the 2017 NFC Championship game, but uh, you know, I think the experience against each other is going to kind of add something because you know they they're familiar with each other's moves and stuff like that. So that's going to be, I think, kind of interesting too. I think part of the onus is on the Eagles' offense too, because I remember the NFC Championship game with Griffin against Vitae. People touted Vitae for so what a great game he had. They gave him a lot of help. I'm interested to see if they give Peters a good amount of help as well, especially as the game wears on if he takes a couple of L's against Griffin. Yeah, and, and I think that would make a lot of sense. The issue is, and I think actually PFF has uh, rounded this out. You have to be very careful about the type of help you give. Mm. Uh, very often, tackle help can be worse because it disrupts the timing that a tackle expects and pushes an edge rusher into an advantageous position. So, yeah. you know, if you've got a tight end chipping, you've got to work with the tackle. Mm. And and Griffin has taken advantage of that in the past, where when a tight end is helped, the tight end is actually hurt. Yeah. Um. So that's that's pretty important. And then obviously, you know, I don't care how good Zachary or Dallas Goddard are if they one on one, if they single up against Stupid. Griffin. Yeah, that's it. But you can also you can also kind of dictate the arc in which he has to attack the passer, yes. just even if you don't chip, but by uh, via alignment, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the issue is, so if you try to dictate an outside arc, his spin move allows him to flatten. <laughs> yeah. So well. Yeah. Uh, he's got one of the better spin moves in the NFL. So you need to find a way to prepare for that too. Uh, if you push him inside, you know he is pretty good at, at beating you to the inside if he wants to go inside. But if he doesn't want to go inside and you push him inside, you know, there are some possibilities there. So that there are some opportunities. Uh, his counters to the outside are good, but they're not as good as his counters to the inside. So um, if you push him inside when he wants to go out, there can be opportunities, but you can only do that so so often. So I think that's kind of your strategic approach to, to, to Griffin in this game is to provide him a little bit of help, make sure that help is synced up, don't put a tight end on him one on one, and if you push the arc on him outside, you know have a contingency because I've seen uh, tackles uh, push Griffin to the outside, place a running back inside to deal with him, 
and lose. Yep. So uh, it's there's there's a lot of planning that has to go in there if if the one-on-one matchup isn't working. Yeah, that matchup's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see the All-22 on that and break down what happened with whatever happens. Let's move on to the second level of the defense. We'll go with uh, Anthony Barr. Almost walked in the offseason before having a change of heart. How has he been in his return? And what are you thought? What are your thoughts on this linebacking core as a whole? Like, where do they win? Yeah, so this is probably the best year the linebacking core has had thus far. I mean, obviously, we'll see. Uh, Anthony Barr himself is playing almost as well as he did uh, in 2015, which is his, you know, maybe is truly his Pro Bowl season. And after that, you know, we we've had a lot of trouble with him, but. This year, he's kind of playing out of his mind, and it's not just because he's blitzing more, which incidentally he is, um, but he's kind of winning on his pass rushes. You know, last year, he had trouble finishing when he was up against a a running back. He'd create pressure, but then, you know, he'd lose balance or whatever. So as a pass rusher, he's doing a really excellent job creating these threats and creating one-on-one matchups for people like Griffin and and Hunter and making it difficult to provide, you know, help to to the outside or even to the interior. So... Uh, he's playing really well as a rusher. He's playing uh, all right as a coverage defender. Um, I think his average depth of target for for coverage is like among the lowest in linebackers because that's how the Vikings tend to play him. They like to buzz him to the flat. They like to take him to to guys that are not going to be running deep downfield despite his like incredible athleticism hmm. because they need him to move from the A gap or now more often the opposite B or C gap yeah. into the opposite flat. And that takes a ton of speed. And then asking him to take an angle beyond that that's a lot. So uh, Kendricks is the primary kind of coverage linebacker you get on running backs, and and he's been playing out of his mind this year. This is the best year he's had. Uh, he, I think, is first or second among linebackers in run stops, too, uh, and that's been a traditional weakness of his, given his size and strength. Uh, a lot of that is helped out by the fact that Linval Joseph is playing a little bit better this year, so he's kind of cleaning up lanes for, for Kendricks, but you know he's playing faster, and I don't mean he's running faster. I mean, he's responding to plays a lot faster, diagnosing and getting to a spot. So a coverage linebacker that's playing really well against the run uh, is is kind of what you're getting. And and that's, I think, a, a really phenomenal place for the Vikings to be. Those linebackers are playing out of their minds. And yeah. so the good news, uh, or bad news, I guess, depends on if you're cheering for the Eagles or the Vikings, is that I don't think they match up well against those tight ends. And, and I think that that's when you're going to see J. Ron Curse the safety, hmm. probably, which we haven't seen a ton of in the last two weeks probably play a bunch of big nickel and try and take care of at least one of those one-on-one matchups. Yeah, teams like to do that against the Eagles and then they'll bracket Ertz and whatnot, but they do like to to bring an extra safety on to kind of deal with those issues. Packers went extra with it and and only had one linebacker on the field and really struggled <laughs> against the run game, but it won't be the case for the Vikings whose linebackers are going to be on the field and they're going to be excellent. Let's move to the third level of the defense. Am I seeing things or is Trey Wayne's outplaying Xavier Rhodes this season? I think there's a case to be made. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think both are struggling, first of all, relative to where they were last year. And and for Rhodes, especially compared to 2017, uh, I think you know they're both playing as above average corners. I think that Rhodes is being saddled with elite expectations. So uh, you, know, you, you take an above average corner, you call him elite and people get mad. Right. Uh, And so uh, they're they're both playing, I think, like so, for example, Trey Waynes, you know, he gets called unfairly for defensive pass interference. That doesn't show up in the statistics. It helps the team. But, you know, he benefits from like a Sterling Shepard drop that would have been a touchdown against the Giants. Uh, You know, he gives up 70 yards against Chicago. Uh, He gives up 100 percent completion rate to Oakland. Uh, which that's not entirely his fault. You know, he's playing off. They throw short and stuff like that. He even got benched for a couple of snaps uh, for playing off coverage on third and short. 
Um, so you know he's if only had. They could do that in Philadelphia. <laughs> My God, they what a concept! It, McKinsey Alexander did it, and they benched him, and they were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's incredible. What a novel idea! Wow. Um, so, so uh, you know there there are struggles there, um, but I'll I'll say I think I think Wayne's has been having uh, the better balance of play in terms of kind of what the results are. Rhodes, I mean thing is on most snaps he's doing fine but he's just more likely to make a big mistake the 45 yarder or 36 or whatever you want to call it uh Darius Slayton that's entirely on him uh he's also been involved in more of the miscommunications on defense so uh there's a 14 yarder to Evan Ingram I think he expected uh Anthony Barr to buzz the flat like it was cover four but it's not it's cover six you have the guy uh um so <laughs> that was a problem um and then uh 39 yarder week two against Devonte Adams that one's actually probably on Harrison Smith, one of the few mistakes he'll make, uh, where, you know, cover two, corner out, mm. turkey hole, right? So yep. that, you know, that 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 creates problems and makes Rhodes look a little bit worse than, he, than he's been. But, you know, he's lost a step, and, and I don't know if he knows how to play after having lost a step. Uh, he needs to kind of regain uh, a bunch of technique in order to kind of move back into a high level of play when he no longer runs a four four five like he did when he was a rookie. So... Uh, there's some issues there, and I think that you know Wayne's has has benefited, I think, in terms of the comparison. But he's also you know benefited from a little bit of luck that makes him look better than Rhodes. But but both of them are, I think, underperforming where they need to be. Yeah, I like I really like the way that you frame that with Rhodes because when you lose that step, it does need to be about technique. It does need to be about the mental processing aspect of it. So that needs to improve for him. We'll see if that improves from week to week against the Eagles. Let's kind of maybe take some overarching thoughts here under the umbrella of predictions. Right now, our line is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't have to do it in that voice, but I like doing it anyway. The over-under <laughs> is 44. The line is, I see it's moved to three and a half in favor of the Vikings. So three points for being at home plus a half a point. We'll call the score 24 to 20 by Vegas. What's your what's your final uh, prediction on this? And how do you think this puppy goes down? Or are you just as confused as I am coming into this thing? <laughs> there's, uh, there's a lot we're going to learn about both of these teams. Right. I think more than you typically get in a week five matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think part of the reason it was uh, essentially neutral before it kind of got bet down in favor of the Vikings, uh, neutral on a neutral field anyway, is because there's a lot to to learn about these teams. I would say, because I think the Eagles defense is closer to that 22nd in DVO than than 6th in DVOA. Which, by the way, did you see the stat I sent you? I talked about this on the Kiston Solak show 130, but the biggest shift in DVOA from week 4 to week 5, 22nd to 6th, the next closest was only 11 spots. So that a historic shift. So you might be right. Yeah, it, 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 wild. So I, uh, I just wrote a piece, submitted it to The Athletic. I don't know if it's up yet. We'll see. Uh, about what the Eagles defense looks like on paper without the Jets game and then with the Jets game. And I think it's just stark. I mean, they like yeah. dropped like 27th in adjusted net yards per attempt. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, from like 13th. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think that uh, we're, we're closer to whatever version of the Eagles defense is that than we are to the final on paper version for week five. And Cousins performs against, uh, you know, defenses that aren't elite. So, I would say that there's an advantage here for the Vikings, especially if the Eagles just keep dropping passes. I mean, <laughs> they'll take it, right? So we always we always use that as an excuse, but it doesn't help the team overall if it continues, right? 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 Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like oh, this will turn around. Except you know the receivers 
need to catch it for that right. to happen. Yeah. Um, okay, so on, on Norse code, you said that Nelson Aguilar actually had one of the lower drop rates. So 10% is really high. But right. what are the lower drop rates compared to the rest of the team? And I yeah. lost my mind. Every, every uh, This one guy was like, yeah, everyone's blaming Aguilar. I'm like, brother, 10% is not good. And he has two fumbles, one that costed them big time against the Lions. That's, that, none of this is good. None of this is good. Right. And he it's has like, a higher sample size. Yeah, and, and yeah, it doesn't make it that Nelson Aguilar has the best hands. Right. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so you know, if that continues, the Vikings will find ways to get back into the game. Uh, and and if Cousins can continue to perform, like he does well against you know average defenses historically, and obviously he does really well against poor defenses. So I, I see opportunities here. I would say, I mean, twenty four twenty is just appealing to go to, but I don't. Vegas already said it, so I, I can't. <laughs> um, so I'll go twenty four twenty one. No field oh. goals. Oh, okay. I like that. Well, for I could you, see, no field goals for you. Yeah, no, I could see the Eagles going for it on fourth down every time. It's always a be- a good bet to say that the Eagles just aren't going to kick on fourth down because this this just kind of what they do. So I like that. Arif. Well, I don't like the Vikings. No, it's good. No, you like it. It's great. Tell everyone where they can avoid you again, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, harass me about my Carson Wentz takes at Arif Hassan NFL, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL, or find me at The Athletic where you can find other better writers as well. Uh, and I also have a number of podcasts. I mentioned Norse Code. We've also got The Football Machine and uh, The Athletics Podcast, Straight Cash. Honestly, this guy has the worst wins takes. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us uh, this, this week, Arif. I'll, yeah, I'll, thanks I'll for talk to you me, after man. the game. No problem, brother. I'm sure you will. BGN. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.